You're listening to The Green Country, a fantasy storytelling podcast where each episode introduces a new character, creature, or facet of this fantastical land. These stories follow the course of Queen Alyssa's centennial tour of her kingdom. Every 100 years, the long-lived monarch travels throughout her overgrown forest realm, meeting its inhabitants and seeing its sights. Join me each week as we explore a new and fascinating aspect of this lush, expansive world. You can learn more at www.thegreen.country, and I invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks for listening. Durkey and the Flame Sprite Durkey should have kept his mouth shut, Gwarth uttered as he paced the short span of the room, and then turned with a huff to retrace his steps in the opposite direction. Negwin was seated on one of the two beds in their modest lodgings, her hands intertwined in a more resigned attitude. The man was in his cups, Gwarth, and I imagine you would have done the same. Aye, and worse, but I can swing a sword. The only thing poor Durkey has ever brandished is a pen. Negwin considered this, and then replied in a tone that mingled admiration and pity. Chivalry expressed is a measure of the heart, not the blade. Gwarth sighed and nodded. In another room, several doors down, a similar conversation was playing out. The fool should have kept his mouth shut, sputtered the queen. Her face, flushed red with anger, stood out in contrast to the green velvet dress she wore. Netcher stood at the door of her room, attentive yet unruffled by her fiery mood. The Clericon man stood only half Alyssa's height, though he was in no way small. He was the queen's coachman, after all. This is what happens when I give the poor man an evening off. Her fury subsided a moment as a question bloomed across her face. And, and why aren't you drunk? You two have been holed up downstairs at the bar since before the start of the gala. In the dim candlelight of the room, Alyssa could swear she saw Netcher's cheeks darken. Oh, I'm uh, quite intoxicated, my queen, he replied, the slightest hint of bashfulness edging into his voice. This caught Alyssa by surprise, enough that she forgot her anger for a moment. Goodness! Well, you hold your drink like a draft horse. Netcher smirked at this, though he did not reply. Hopefully, you're of enough sound mind to help me think of a way out of this for poor Durkey. Netcher hiccuped and replied, his voice somber. I will endeavor to do my very best. Among the queen's entourage, Durkey, who floated at the center of this great disturbance, was the only one unperturbed that late evening. He was cozy as can be, tucked away in the room in the center of the hall. He slumbered a deep and dreamless sleep as the wine fumes swam through his head. No worry or concern entered his dormant mind, so he was safe for the time being. Safe at least until the rays of the dawning sun forced upon him the ugly recollection of the night previous. Let the man sleep, countered Negwin. 
It's not as though he could come up with any good ideas in his present state. Gwarth nodded in agreement, considering the practicality of Negwin's point. It would just be helpful to know if he's had any sort of fighting experience. As the challenged party, dueling rules state that he may choose the weapon. I mean, perhaps he trained with a face-hilf knife master as a toddler. Negwin laughed at the ridiculousness of this notion, and then the two queen's guards sat in contemplative silence. Eventually, Negwin spoke. Well, perhaps Durkee should not be the focus of our strategizing. What do we know about his rival? The evening had started innocently enough. Alyssa and her traveling companions had arrived in the river town of Herrick early in the afternoon. They had had nearly a week's hard backcountry travel and were delighted to enter the cheerful bustle of a town which promised them fresh food and drink, clean proper beds, and that most civilized of inventions, the bath. They quickly found their lodgings at the town's beloved inn and tavern, the Golden Lantern. Soon they emerged from their rooms, scrubbed and clean, happy to have some respite from the open road. Negwin and Gwarth had polished their armor and donned their fine ceremonial dress. Elissa descended the steps to the main hall of the tavern, wearing a simple yet elegant green dress of crushed velvet. The garment was indeed very fine, but it was her poise and bearing which captivated the patrons of the tavern and drew their conversation into a sudden hush. Collectively, the folk of the Golden Lantern quickly recovered their manners, remembering it's not polite to stare, especially at the Queen, and went on quaffing and conversing as if nothing had happened. The Queen had received an invitation to the Summer's End Gala, an annual celebration hosted by the region's presiding duchess, Smyrlida. The Faisilf woman had begun her political career as a courtesan, who, after entertaining her share of dukes, viscounts, and barons, realized she'd make a better bureaucrat than the best of them. Smyrlida quickly excelled in her ambitions, and had risen to the head of the town's council within her first year. By the second, Alyssa had appointed her a duchess. She was an able and savvy ruler, and something of a celebrity in the kingdom. Most importantly, though, she and her elfin mate, a master vintner by the name of Ken, hosted the most talked-about soirees in all the land. In a largely rustic province such as the Green Country, the Summer's End Gala was perhaps the most lavish and sophisticated to be found. The scanty number of invitations Smyrlita and Ken extended for the event only served to drive a greedy excitement for the festivities. The Queen was also great friends with Smyrlita, and it was rare they were able to spend time with one another. All things told, this was a night Alyssa had been looking forward to since before the start of her Lord's tour. Gwarth and Negwin were in attendance as stewards to Queen Alyssa, Formality demanded such things. But Netcher and Durkee had been turned loose. The days of travel had indeed been wearying. Negwin stared longingly towards the bar where Netcher and Durkee sat, Netcher atop a particularly tall stool, owing to his diminutive stature. 
She sighed as Durkee raised a slim goblet of ruby-red wine to click against the substantial flagon Netcher had hefted. Gwarth sidled up to Negwin, and as if he were reading her thoughts, drew from the recesses of his breastplate a flask. This should uh, at least help us pass the night, he said, grinning. Thank the gods for that, replied Negwin, never one for formal gatherings. Smerlita had sent a coach to collect Alyssa and her retinue, and the queen called out to her guards. Make haste! Our ride has arrived! Gwarth and Negwin hurried out the door of the Golden Lantern, following after their exuberant queen. Neither guard could recall a time when they had seen her so excited. Durkee and Netcher soaked in the charming relaxation of the cozy tavern, the toils of their journey falling away with every delicious sip they took. Durkee turned to Netcher, his cheeks already beginning to glow with a faint rosiness. When he spoke, he leaned nearer to Netcher, and his voice had a slight, secretive hush to it. My cousin spent several years living here in Herrick. I have it on good authority that their boar pie is second to none in all the land. Imagine that! Netcher took a frothy sip of his clover ale, and then twisted his mustaches, contemplating this information. Boar pie, you say? <laughs> I'm quite partial to boar pie. Uh, if the rumors are true, it would be irresponsible not to at least verify such a fact. Soon enough, they were feasting on the aforementioned pies, consuming the savory delights in a mutual silence of sheer enjoyment. After a time, Netcher belched gently, breaking the silence. That was truly exceptional, second to none. Durkee wiped the corners of his mouth and nodded, sighing contentedly. The barkeep, a true master of his craft, appeared before them to clear their plates. Perhaps a digestive liqueur to settle your stomachs, gentlemen? Aye, it would be wise after such a rich meal, replied Durkee lazily. In moments, the barkeep returned with two small chalices of dark green liquid. Here you are, our finest pepperleaf cordial, concocted right here in town by the Guild of Distillers. Its digestive properties are most effective when consumed in a single gulp. The barkeep shuffled off, and Durkee and Netcher raised the little glasses, observing the verdant liquid with curiosity and thirst. "'To the Lord's tour!' exclaimed Durkee, with a sudden burst of jollity. "'To traveling in the best of company!' added Netcher, and they clinked glasses. Heeding the barman's words, they slugged back the spicy liquor with gusto. The effect was immediate, and a wave of spicy, minty heat grew from their bellies and spread upwards to the tips of their ears and out through their fingers.' Netcher blinked several times, his eyes wide. That stuff really does the trick! Durkee nodded, looking equally awakened from his meal-induced lethargy. Well, what do you say? Shall, shall we call it a night? Netcher considered Durkee's question, 
and then replied, Owing to the marvelous properties of that fine elixir, I'm now finding myself in quite a wakeful state. I think perhaps I could enjoy one more beverage this evening. A clever smile had spread across Durkee's normally fretful face. Excellent. Then we two are on the same page. That potent and herbaceous drink has given me a second wind. Let us enjoy a nightcap together. Once more, with perfect timing, the barman appeared and happily took their order. Many hours later, Elissa stepped into the entrance of the Golden Lantern, followed by Gwarth and Negwin. The queen seemed to almost dance through the common room. Her cheeks were flushed with the excitement of the summer's end ball, and an unaccounted-for amount of Delson wine. Gwarth and Negwin were perhaps slightly less effervescent as they entered, though they were both pleased to have escaped the stuffy confines of an event that had demanded so many formalities. The Golden Lantern was alive with a menagerie of different folk. A group of Clericon played boisterous games of dice. An awkward-looking elfin teenager played lively tunes on a fiddle. And a wild assortment of Faisilf drank and conversed. Most visible among them was a tall flame sprite, whose body was not of flesh, but instead composed of living fire. In short, it was a wild party. Durkee! Netcher! Alyssa's exuberant voice cut above the din of the tavern, which brimmed with patrons even at this late hour. She had spied her dear, loyal friends, still seated at the bar where she had left them, and raced over. Elissa! cried Durkee gaily. Greetings, my queen, said Netcher politely, his cheeks rosy beneath his profuse mustaches. I trust the ball was to your liking? It was marvelous, Durkee, utterly enchanting. Smirlita outdid herself. She found the most exquisite band of Faisalf Blossom troubadours. You should have heard the music they played, and the wine. Ken's created a new Delson blend with frostberries. It tastes like winter itself. Durkee gazed wistfully at Alyssa, taking in her giddiness and joy, and thought of all the serious work and courtly duties that so often lay heavy on her shoulders. It pleases me to see you so happy, my queen, said Durkee, and then hiccuped. She smiled at him, her trusted adviser and confidant, feeling the care behind his words. Thank you, Durkee. Gwarth and Negwin had caught up with Elissa and greeted Durkee and Netcher. Elissa regarded the two guards thoughtfully. She knew their experience of the ball had been far different from her own. Thank you, Gwarth and Negwin. You were splendid this evening. I expect you're ready to take your leave of me. She smiled understandingly as the guards nodded gratefully. Dismissed, cried Elissa with a military flourish and Gwarth couldn't help but give a chuckle. As for you, Netcher, my able coachman, and Durkee, my dear adviser, it is the Queen's order that you enjoy a nightcap with me. Gwarth and Negwin made their way to the stairs that would take them to their room and awaiting beds. Uh, do you think one of us should stay with her? asked Gwarth, his sense of duty gnawing at him gently. It's just one drink. 
Let Alyssa enjoy herself. It's not often she's able to cut loose like this. Gwarth nodded, appreciating Negwin's insight. Well spoken. After all, it is just one drink. And with that, they climbed the stairs. Elissa held aloft a goblet of lavender-colored wine, a rare and very expensive varietal made from the moon grape. Incredibly hard to cultivate, Durkee had explained to Netcher, after the queen ordered around for all of them. Additionally, each step of the winemaking process may occur only in the light of the full moon. The timing is everything. <laughs> Durkee and Netcher raised their glasses as well. To my wonderful and loyal companions on this Lord's tour, you make the days tolerable, and dare I even say, at times, enjoyable. It was precisely at this heartfelt moment the flame sprite, stumbling slightly, passed behind Elissa and her friends. Flame sprites generally exercise close control over the magical fire which composes their bodies, in order to avoid setting blazes wherever they go, or simply burning away their clothing. Judging from the way his tunic was beginning to smolder around the edges, it seemed that the alcohol had somewhat loosened his grip on things. As he strode by, the flames from his arm licked out, and the acrid scent of singed hair filled the air. Elissa stopped mid-sentence as Durkee's eyes widened, and she reached a hand to the back of her head, only to draw back a palmful of crispy, singed hair. She regarded the blackened wisps with a bemused expression. Durkee's face, however, had flushed with a ruddy redness, and he burst from his chair, following close after the flame sprite, who had taken no notice of the follicle destruction. "'Oh, dear!' said Netcher quietly, and turned his attention into the glass he held. "'Now I say, sir,' opened Durkee, as he caught the flame sprite by the shoulder. The fiery gentleman wheeled round, a sardonic, careless look plastered on his face. "'Can I help you?' said the flame sprite, annoyed. Durkee retracted his hand, which was beginning to scald, and continued. "'See here!' In your careless transit, those errant, uncouth flames of yours did damage to Elissa's, er, the Queen's locks. Durkee gestured to Elissa, who, owing to this rare outburst from her normally docile, meticulous advisor, sat in a state of dumbfoundment. The flame sprite looked muzzily at Elissa and then back at Durkee. The Queen, you say? <laughs> Never heard of her. And what do you expect me to do about it? Durkee's face darkened a shade of red, and angry blood seemed to boil behind his eyes. Despite his rage and his advanced state of intoxication, the civil composure with which he responded demonstrated a nearly heroic degree of self-control. An apology would be a good place to start. By now the tavern had grown quiet as patron after patron turned their gaze to behold the drama that was unfolding. Sensing so many expectant eyes on him, the knavish flame sprite could not help but play the rebel. And what if I refuse? Coolly, Durkee turned to the bar and retrieved his untouched glass of moon grape wine. 
He considered the amethyst-hued elixir a moment, then, with uncanny speed, sent the liquid splashing across the face of the shocked flame sprite. You'll get wet. Had the hurled libation been anything stronger than mellow moon-grape wine, the flame sprite would have burst into a savage blaze. But instead, he stood, dripping and smoldering, the very flames of his being, guttered and spat. His surly grin had vanished, and he held Durky in his baleful regard. That was a mistake, he said calmly, not breaking his gaze. Tomorrow at noon, in the town center, we duel. With that, the flame sprite turned on his heel and stomped out of the golden lantern. The place erupted in a raucous cheer, pleased at the drama which the knight had provided them. Durkee turned to Alyssa and Netcher. The color had drained from his face, and the ramifications of his predicament seemed to be dawning on him. I think it's time I take myself to bed, he said simply, and made for the stairs up to his room. An hour before noon, the queen and her companions roused the chivalrous fool from his slumbers. To their surprise, he managed to recall a good portion of the evening's turmoil, and seemed resolute in the face of the imminent conflict. In his room, he splashed fresh water onto his face from a basin, and changed into one of his finer outfits. His head was pounding, but he ignored this, reminding himself that if he faltered in the confrontation, he might not have a head left to worry about. He strode down the steps of the tavern into the common room, his face calm and determined. Elissa, Netcher, Gwarth, and Negwin regarded him, and though they tried to hide their concern, it overshadowed the encouragement they had willed forth in support of their friend. They had sought some alternative to the duel, yet had found no other options, no way out. Don't look so concerned, said Durkee simply, his normally affable nature shining through. And with that, he exited the tavern, followed by his fretful friends. The day was bright and glorious. The cool air and sun helped to clear Durkee's throbbing head. He made his way to the town square, where a small cadre of folk had gathered some being patrons who had returned to catch the stunning conclusion of the previous evening's dramatics. Seated at the edge of an ornate fountain was the flame sprite, and beside him, on a cloth, lay a stunning assortment of weaponry. All manner of blades could be found, short and broad, along with maces, axes, and several cruel-looking items which Durkee could not identify. As he approached, the flame sprite stood. Good day to you. May I invite you to select the weapon with which we will duel. He smiled in a way that could only be described as sinister, and his flames seemed to burn brighter for a moment, in anticipation of his rival's defeat. Durkee gazed at the plethora of pointy, harm-dealing implements, and thoughtfully selected one. Huh. A face-elf long knife. Interesting choice smirked the fiery adversary, as he picked up the weapon's twin. The crowd expanded with a gentle murmur, forming a wide ring around the men. Alyssa felt helpless. Even as queen, she had no authority to intercede on the ritual of the duel. 
it was a law as old as the green country. All she could do was offer some encouragement. Show him what for, Durkey, she cried, putting on a brave face. Don't worry, my queen. I'll be getting that apology for you. The flame sprite shook his head, annoyed by the banter. Enough! Let us begin. And with that, the duel commenced. The fighters couldn't have been more disparate. The flame sprite, tall, lanky, his blazing face plastered with a sarcastic grin. And Durkey, a head shorter, with the portly, fastidious constitution of a tireless bureaucrat. Each held aloft their long, arcing dagger in a posture of threat and menace. Slowly they circled one another, and the crowd was silent as they looked on. The air had grown still, and even the birds seemed to have halted their songs. Durkey locked his gaze with the flame sprite, who stared into him, eyes quite literally blazing. A gentle breeze blew and the flame sprite lunged forward, his long dagger shimmering like liquid silver under the wide blue sky. Durkey held fast, seeming to compress inward, and then his arm shot upward with astonishing speed. There was a sound of clashing metal, and a knife was sent sailing into the sky. Durkey held his dagger level with the throat of the disarmed flame sprite, whose weapon landed moments later in the nearby fountain with a splash. Now, about that apology. After the begrudging flame sprite begged pardon of the queen and the crowd had dispersed, Durkey turned to his companions and saw from their expectant faces they required some explanation for his martial prowess. In my youth I spent many summers practicing with Redondo, the famed Faisilf Knife Master. He was a dear friend of the family. <laughs> For a time, I was certain I would be joining the Royal Guard. Durkey smiled wistfully and deftly flourished the long, arcing dagger with a twirl before sliding it back into its sheath. If it's all the same to you, I think I'll pop back into the Golden Lantern for a boar pie and a long nap. I think my head is near to falling off. If you like what you just heard, be sure to visit www.thegreen.country for more great content, including beautiful illustrations, detailed character descriptions, and much more. The Green Country is also on Patreon, where a small monthly pledge will give you access to extra content, like an illustrated PDF of the story you just heard. Whether you back this project financially or simply share it with a friend, you can help this vibrant land continue to grow. Once more, that's www.thegreen.country. Thanks for listening!